0: Time for a gamer. We haven't been able to do these in a while since the Warriors had four home games in the last six days, but uh it was worth it to see the Eric Paschal show. We'll have more on him tomorrow in the 15 and 60, but let's get right into these gamers here. Where would you like to start Danny?
1: Uh, let's start in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, the Celtics and Cavs played a game that we kind of wanted to watch partially as an opportunity to see the Cavs,
0: a team that yeah. we haven't yeah, spent a lot of time I, I on. I kind of wanted to watch it. I think that's, a, that's probably an accurate description.
1: Yeah, and... In the in the first quarter, I, I kept on thinking of the, thinking that we should just call them the Cleveland favorable matchups because <laughs> we early on we talked about how you know Markel Fultz had that great game against the Cavs and they were a really favorable matchup for him and it was I mean to his credit I thought that Gordon Hayward played a very good game overall but it was another reminder that the Cavs were a favorable matchup for him to go absolutely wild
0: yeah and I mean he easily had his best game as a Celtic here thirty nine points. 17 of 20 from the field eight assists only two turnovers was a plus 12 on the night did all of that in a mere 34 minutes really really impressive work for Hayward it wasn't dependent on the three-pointer he was getting to the rim again they did not have anyone to guard him it was first they started off with Tristan Thompson guarding Tatum and that meant that Hayward was being guarded by Jay Osmond and he got a couple of quick backdoor cuts on him he was too smart for him Then they tried going some bigs. They had some matchups with Larry Nance on him. Larry Nance uh, just too slow, uh, not a good enough rim protector on Hayward as well. And he just repeatedly was able to curl into the lane, make quick moves uh, to beat his man before the help arrived. And what I thought was most encouraging though is he was making his shots at the basket. I remember that was the biggest thing that was a problem for him a year ago. In addition to the fact that he was just attacking as well. I mean, really high usage for him. Uh, And he had that control in the lane where he could attack, slow down, let the defender fly by. He looked like the Utah Gordon Hayward in the lane. A, a lot of little shorter range floaters, you know, that he was, isn't going to hit every single time, but those are pretty good looks for him. And especially when you consider the fact that he's getting into the lane on those plays, he's setting up others with the eight assists, that looks really good to me so i i was you have to be extremely pleased with where hayward is so far this year i mean especially after this game i mean 17 out of 20 is just a completely insane number even if it is against the cleveland Cavaliers.
1: Right, and another part of the story here, I just want to emphasize how well he did in the first quarter because that really did set the tone. Hayward, 16 points on 7-7 seven seven from the field, two rebounds, two assists in all 12 minutes, and that's when Boston went out to a, an eight-point lead, a lead that they gave up at, at, or at different points, but, the, but it's still like that kind of established the margin to me.
0: Yeah, Cleveland was trying to fight back. They got back closer towards the end of the second and even got back into contact in the fourth, Got within four, I believe, uh, but uh, Hayward was able to slam the door, finally got the the bucket that put it away on an offensive rebound as he went past Osman again. Like, if Osman were a quarterback in the old game of Madden, like, you remember how for a while they tried out that passing cone thing on Madden, where like, the really good quarterbacks you like it would make this triangle where it would be light and you could see all the field and throw it to this large area whereas the bad quarterbacks it was like really narrow and you had to like turn their head physically towards the receiver before they could see it do you remember that
1: i do remember that yeah
0: jenny houseman does not have a large cone of vision (laughs) he has a he has a
1: larger one than hassan whiteside offensively but (laughs)
0: yeah yeah, but I mean like the number of times that he just completely lost track of his man in addition to the fact that he's not any good getting over screens either and he's not particularly strong or athletic you know I hadn't really focused in on how bad his defense is until Chris Fedor was talking about it on the preview pod and uh yeah it's rough I mean but he's still the only like true small forward on the team Kevin Porter was suspended uh due to making contact with an official for this one I'm guessing he probably wouldn't have helped too much defensively either so uh, yeah, that, that was not good for Cleveland.
1: This was also an opportunity for both of us to watch their, the point guard experiment there Colin Sexton and Garland playing together. Garland, I mean, he had a few flashes, and I, I, I spend so much time talking about how, with rookie guards especially, it's more about the flashes than about the overall thing. I mean, it was a rough night for him, two of 11 from the field. And he. I remember both of his makes. They were, you know, kind of those shots where you weave your way in a little bit and, and, and make it, they were both jumpers. And he got into the lane a few times that generated assists, but the, the jumper has to go in. I mean, that's basically a part of it for Garland. And he... I didn't see him, you know, beat his man enough. Remember, I watched a film on him a little bit ago. So it wasn't necessarily the most encouraging game for him. And then Sexton, yeah, he put up twenty. 20- well, let me react Yeah, to go Garland. Garland. Sure, sure.
0: Um, two for eleven in this game. I think both his makes were floaters. He was 0 for ten against the Pacers over the weekend. He has not shot above forty percent in his last five games. Real struggle for him right now, and. You said it's about flashes I'm concerned that I didn't see that much that many flashes the only time to me that it really looks good for him is when he he'll hit like a nice step back every once in a while from three or pretty you know pretty deep from three
1: yeah I think he had two of them against the magic that I really liked and yeah that was, that
0: was really I'm like oh okay this could be something but I mean has he done anything else good so far this year the playmaking was supposed to be a, a real asset that hasn't been particularly impressive and you know, he's averaging under four assists on the year yeah he's got a a lot of the ball handling load but you know i haven't seen some great passing from him this is the first full game i watched but i've watched parts of of many others of him and what really bothers me is just he doesn't show a ton of athleticism he looks like he's almost a below average athlete when you really see him out there on the floor against nba players And when he gets to the rim, like, if they're playing two-on-two, now, granted, he doesn't have these amazing pick-and-roll finishers, that might help him, but it's either a floater or he's just not going to create anything. Like, he just has no tricks in his bag and no athleticism to score on bigs at the rim. He's not quick enough to gnash under the basket and set things up for others. It really, really looks ugly for him right now. Uh, And I liked the pick of him at the time. I thought that he had some upside. He was... The guy that we thought would be good at, at that point but obviously it was a very very risky player and he's coming off not having played that much over the summer and a foot injury in camp so maybe he'll look better athletically but i am i'm worried about him right now a little bit it it does not look good but you know rookie point guards they can't all be trey young and even he had a a rough start to last year so
1: yeah i i am worried but i'm not totally freaking out just yet but yeah there were definitely some worrying signs and then colin Sexton, second year point guard did put up 21 and 3 in this game his low assist numbers are just consistently well
0: he just he can't find shooters when he drives. like he just always misses them like you'll just see him go and and at least he gets to the foul line and his own offense is efficient but he just misses a lot of chance to set guys up from three
1: right and so yeah i wonder about where he's going to fit in and and sexton will certainly get better as as garland will too and this game will probably push sexton over his free throw attempt rate from last season obviously we're only seven games in so you're not going to read too much into that just yet but it'll be i'm wondering where that's going to turn out and sexton did make two of three three-pointers in this game the Cavs overall i mean they shot they shot 40 39 from two or from three and 43 percent on twos which i thought was remarkable
0: yeah and i didn't think they were getting amazing shots new no. the the best offense they had was kevin love was able to get going late in the fourth he was actually being guarded by marcus smart the matchups in this game were pretty crazy on both ends due to the celtics being a ton of wings and the Cavs having no wings and just point guards and bigs, essentially. But Smart, you, you remember a couple of years ago, Love just killed him in the playoffs and they couldn't go to that matchup. Smart did better fronting him, but when Love did get it, he was able to get two feet in the paint, go to that quick hook shot, which uh, remains very effective if he has the size advantage. They at least didn't foul him too much. They didn't let him get going from three too much but they had to end up doubling and Brad Stevens does a pretty good job at doubling and scramming and getting guys on the same page with that but there was a time down the end where Love was just setting up open threes he gave Osmond a three that cut the lead down pretty low towards the end uh but ultimately they weren't able to capitalize
1: well the other piece of offense that they had was Tristan Thompson grabbed eight offensive rebounds and I think that was most of most of his points came off of those circumstances. And so Boston defensive rebounding that was an old, an old chestnut during the Al Horford years. And I mean, they're even smaller now than they were then.
0: Yeah. And tice had five blocks but he's not incredibly athletic and his canter is out for them still and tristan thompson it's funny he's almost playing the way he played before lebron james got there when it was thought he was going to live up to being the number four pick offensively and they'd throw thrown the ball in ISO. he basically just drives to his right and shoots a righty floater every time but he's able to have some effect on that every once in a while just he definitely looks better than he's looked the last couple of years his energy level is higher still not as effective as a switch guy i mean it's just it's tough with him and love out there neither of those guys can jump neither of those guys can protect the rim they're Brad Stevens was going back to an old play that was working pretty well 1-4-5 where you first run a 1-4 pick and roll which they wanted to switch with Thompson but then you run a 4-5 pick and roll with Thompson and Love you don't want to switch Love onto the perimeter and so Thompson is not gonna be able to get through a screen and so you get the guard going downhill at Love they had a lot of success with that play that's something that I'm sure teams will do a lot more of it if Cleveland sticks with that strategy but I mean just their personnel is, is ridiculous like they at one point line went to Brandon brand in night as a defensive replacement on hayward and uh spoiler alert it didn't work
1: yeah i mean it was pretty easy to see during this game i mean Cleveland, they're just lack of defensive talent. I mean, it, it's hard to construct a team, especially when most of the centers, I, Thompson's been better than I expected this year defensively overall, but they just don't have that much. They don't have that much there. And yeah, they're still only, uh, as of right, as of, we're recording this on Clean the Glass, they're 23rd in defense, but I expect that to drop because they give up a lot of open shots.
0: Now, all that said, Boston had a really nice shooting game. They're 40% from three. I still think they need to do better against this bad of a defense. They Agreed. have to get more. Agreed. Get better shots. I mean, only 18 shots at the rim. That's lower than the lowest team average per game. There's usually a range between about 20 and 30 in a given year. The lowest team is 20. The highest team is 30 in terms of shots at the rim. They took 37 shots on twos outside the restricted area, and they hit them like crazy. They're 22 out of 37. Hayward was awesome on floaters. Tatum had a nice night shooting it, but of course did not get to the foul line even Hayward didn't really get to the foul line much considering uh, his big night and then they only had one corner three out of all that right so now Cleveland obviously they're gonna try and just give you the mid-range and just hope that you'll take it so you don't attack more but I don't know whether it's Brad Stevens offense or the talent and they just don't have guys who get to the foul line much but I'm still underwhelmed on this group they're still too reliant on making jump shots like it seems like especially if Hayward can start playing even better and you know we'll see too i think if you if they play robert williams more because he had some nice dunks at the rim if they play Cantor more that'll hurt their defense but they they might get more at the rim they might get more offensive rebounds Uh, that helps you get shots at the rim as well but they've never really been able to put as much pressure on the basket under brad stevens for whatever reason and and you know maybe that's just a lack of role man finishers who knows what it is Uh, maybe it's the offensive system just too much kind of cute elbow stuff but uh They're going to have to be an an elite offense this year if they want to really be in the conversation for giving the best teams in the East some trouble. And systematically, it doesn't quite seem to be there yet. I got a little bit more on this game here. First, let's take a quick break to tell you about the best way to go see an NBA game. I'll tell you what, if you're in the Bay, there are going to be some great deals on SeatGeek right now. And with over 50,000 five-star reviews, they are the place to find those deals. Chase Center, a lot of people paid some big prices for tickets, season ticket orders early on, but a lot of those people have so much money that it doesn't really matter to them to go to a game if it's not the stars that they paid to see so you might be able to get in with some great tickets at chase which actually i i was really impressed by the way the other day with the the crowd danny maybe that reflects that the prices are a little bit lower but the, i thought the crowd was awesome in the uh the eric Pascal game uh yeah last it, night. It,
1: it felt like a warriors crowd from it to some extent of the early years when i covered the team and they anything good that happened was very exciting
0: yeah it was a, a lot of throwbacks throwback references to those days uh with the, so many guys injured right now but seatgeek you can go there any nba city it, if there are deals to be had SeatGeek is the way to find it and the quickest way to find it too because each deal is rated on a scale one to ten and they're displayed on an interactive seat map you look for those big cathartic dark green dots that means a good deal red dots are are the overpriced deals So you don't have to spend all this time searching for the perfect seat. You just click on that green dot in the area you want to sit in. You can trust that their algorithm is giving you the best deal and every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop with confidence. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Make sure you use our promo code though. And I think we know what that is. Capspace. Easy to remember because we talk about all the time here on the program. Download their app today. Use that Capspace code to get $10 off your first purchase. That's the cap space code, $10 off your first purchase. Don't forget the Cat space code, of course, to let them know that you came from us. So something else that occurred to me here with Boston, especially with Jalen Braun out and Hayward having such a good game that they did really feed him a lot. Kemba Walker struggled in the middle portion of the game, but ended up having an efficient night because he was six of eight on threes, only managed two out of 11 on twos, oddly enough for his 25 points but i think to the extent it's between tatum and brown and hayward for who's gonna get the bulk to eat on the wing i think especially with how hayward is playing that he needs to be the primary guy he's played at a much higher level than tatum or brown ever has i know tatum is the golden boy in the eyes of the organization and the fans but hayward has the ability to get to the line he's a much better passer than jason tatum is Tatum is probably actually a better spot-up shooter as an off-ball guy than Hayward as well. Hayward's just more dynamic at this point in time and so and maybe you could say well, alright, they put their best guy in Hayward, we're going to go to Tatum more. They put their best guy in Tatum, we're going to go to Hayward more. But all things being equal, I think I would want to give Hayward more of the share of touches uh, than Tatum or Brown. You know, although Brent even tries to run a egalitarian system,
1: I hadn't looked this up until you talked about it. But through and Jalen Brown hasn't played in all six games, but through six games, Jason Tatum twenty six two usage, fifty two percent true shooting. Brown twenty two percent usage, fifty seven percent true shooting. Gordon Hayward twenty two percent usage, sixty five six true shooting.
0: Yeah, obviously going seventeen to twenty tonight helps, but sure,
1: of course, and he has the highest assist percentage of any of the three, which is not a surprise because he's a better passer than the
0: the other three. I want to talk a little bit about. Robert robert williams performance 15 minutes two blocks and a steal four fouls six points three assists four rebounds two on the offensive end i mean he's definitely all over the place in both a good and a bad way and so i just want to give you a few of my notes on on just a, a you know some possessions that illustrate this so first off he actually executes a really good scram switch onto kevin love they switched the guard onto him. Williams was underneath. He kicks the guard out, picks him up in the post. Good job. Mentally executed the scheme that time. That's something he's had trouble with. And then Love just drills out to the perimeter, fakes a DHO. Williams just doesn't get out there. I don't know. Love just hits a three with Williams not there. So executes once, but couldn't keep it up throughout the entire possession. Next possession, he steps up too far on Matthew Del And Del is not looking to finish at the rim. Throws an alley-oop right over his head to Tristan Thompson for a dunk. Next play, makes the same mistake, but his hands are so good that he just deflects the alley-oop pass anyway uh, and gets a steal. Um, He had a couple of huge dunks and blocks. Another play in the second half, Tristan Thompson fakes the DHO. Williams is totally opposition. Thompson goes right to the basket, thinks he's going to have a dunk. Williams gets back into position so quickly that he, number one, goes for the strip down low. Thompson has to move the ball around to avoid that, but then he can't really power up. And then Williams blocks him. I mean, to be able to go for the strip and block the guy's shot in one motion is just incredible athleticism. So if the Celtics can harness this, keep him healthy, keep him out of foul trouble, like they could really have something here, but obviously you know he's kind of he's kind of Nerland's Noelle in that way a little bit it, I think that's probably the best comparison there is for him right now yeah, although he's there, got more strength
1: There's some elements of him that remind me of really fresh out of Texas A&M DeAndre Jordan where yeah.
0: Although one thing actually Williams is a really nice passer too
1: Yeah that's true and, and- and he they have different kinds of athleticism like williams just moves kind of surprisingly well at certain moments time, yeah. sometimes even with the ball in his hands but he's the, such a
0: quick jumper too. he
1: is but he but what reminds me of deandre is how robert williams just he just if if there's a possibility of a block he's just going to be all all over it and sometimes that especially gets a, a guy like kevin love the king yeah. of the up fake that can be that can be a that, problem that's
0: young deandre jordan the nets wish that deandre jordan would jump, Correct. And, yeah. <laughs> jump right <laughs> at top lock shots these days
1: that's true no yeah i'm talking about like rookie year deandre yeah, jordan yeah
0: yeah um yeah but i think actually you know williams in a lot of ways has better instincts than someone like him uh and quicker feet ability to switch on the perimeter we haven't seen a ton of that yet but obviously there are a lot of impediments there's a reason he dropped to number 27 and, and, and you know he always seems to have some kind of a nagging injury as well um larry nance did hit three threes for cleveland that hadn't been looking that amazing but he'd been telling us that was going to happen this year he had 15 points on 16 possessions but still was negative five because he's just awful defensively uh if anything he's going backwards there and the fact that he's migrating out of the three-point line more he was supposed to be like this great jumping jack in pick and roll when they brought him over with lebron and You know that extension is looking really really bad i mean i've carped about dwight powell who's making similar money but dwight powell is like way better than larry nance on both ends
1: yeah and remember kobe altman just got just got his own extension and i mean when you look at the the major deals that he signed the love deal we we were critical of at the time critical of it now same with larry dance and then with jetty we're just gonna have to see
0: yeah well anytime you get a chance to lock in the core of a 25 win team you have to do it to uh to channel early career bill simmons with <laughs> that joke uh anything else you had in this one let me see if i, if I got any more notes
1: no I, I think that i think that was about it carson edwards hit some shots good good to see him out there uh five of six three or four from three and i mean team's respect his jumper because they damn well better
0: well remember it, it's the this is the team that he put up like what was it 25 and a quarter on them in the preseason yeah where
1: he just i think he made like was it six threes in a row or something like that it was yeah it was insane
0: uh yeah edwards can join uh aaron holiday whose team we'll talk about a little bit later on the all bow-legged team which is uh, a favorite of mine since i'm kind of bow-legged too and i I do like the way that edwards presses pressures the ball um the decisive run though really when the celtics uh, went up double digits late in the third he was being guarded by jordan clarkson and clarkson just it was a fast break he got switched onto him edwards just turns around drills out to the three-point line clarkson just follows him but just doesn't follow him outside the three-point line and so edwards just turned around and hit a three-pointer right in his face it was it was just totally mystifying uh from clarkson who four 13 12 points very uh jordan clarkson game uh for him in 26 minutes we talked about this before not staggering sex and garland is really just weird to me and I mean, maybe Garland you're, is probably getting enough shots. I mean, he can't even convert the ones that he's getting. But you would like to see maybe a little bit more of a look to help him succeed. Those You do want to see where those guys can play together. But I think just helping Garland find some confidence and maybe to do it as the undisputed lead ball handler might be better. Um, Garland also apparently stole his style from uh, Mark Aguirre in the late 80s. He's just got those like super long stretch pants under his shorts that like go down to his knees. Um There's an old school reference for you there. Brad Stevens is just continuing to go way deep into his bench and he played 11 guys again tonight. Just some really different combinations, switching, not switching. Lots of interesting small guys they even played Javante Green tonight. And I think that's all I got uh, on this game. So congratulations. Just spent uh, 20 minutes on... Celtics Cavs but uh, we'll, we'll be a little briefer on these next games uh where do you want to go after this
1: well I want to go to Hawks Spurs but not necessarily because of the game though we can talk about that a little bit but because the biggest news of the day oh yeah is the Atlanta Hawks the disappointing news that John Collins is going to miss 25 games due to testing positive for growth hormone releasing peptide 2 and
0: Oh, I like Peptide 1.
1: And, I mean, 25 games is just, that. that's really tough for the Hawks. They did get an encouraging win, home win tonight over the San Antonio Spurs, but Collins is, is an important part of their future, and Trey just got Trey Young back from injury today. So it's going to be a while until we see the full-strength Hawks.
0: Yeah, they started Jabari Parker at the 4 in this game, and we were critical of that signing, saying it didn't make sense. Well, it makes sense now, because... They just need someone else to score on this team. And and Parker's actually looked pretty good as a power forward.
1: Well, and also having Trey Young feeding him the ball in better spots, can it could take away some of the worst shots that Jabari takes and get him better ones too. And he's great. He could do that for sure.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's Jabari starting at power forward, Vince Carter backing him up now. Vince was playing mostly power forward anyway. So, and they do have him. He's still reasonably effective. They can also move DeAndre Hunter up to the four. Having Kevin Herter not be on a minute's limit will help. Getting Evan Turner back may help also to some degree. Uh, but this also takes so I, I think so i think the bigger hit is not necessarily a power forward but at center where it's alex len damian jones and bruno fernando frankly i like fernando the best of those guys at least a little undersized uh len has had a major struggle to the season after saying that he was gonna make the eastern conference all-star team this year uh, he only played 14 minutes in this one despite the lack of options behind him. He definitely flubs a lot of passes around the room. He's been getting in a lot of foul trouble early. Hasn't been hitting the three ball the way he did at the end of last year. And Damian Jones is just an absolute foul medic. He he had a uh, a tip in on his own basket, which uh, he definitely deserves the award for player to most likely tip a shot into his own basket in the NBA.
1: Yeah, he took over <laughs> that from JaVale McGee, I think.
0: <laughs> um, And also ba- Dam- yeah. also
1: Damian Jones fouled out in 18 minutes.
0: Mercifully. Mercifully. Uh, but back to Collins he hadn't had the greatest start to the year he had some issues uh, with his hip early on in camp the thought was he would take the next step this year that hadn't quite happened yet he had a big game when Trey was out and so the idea of him becoming their Amari Stoudemire becomes a little fainter to just not play 25 games I mean that, that and I never know what to make of these honestly I mean there are those people who say ah the whole league is on this there are those people who say hey the schedule is too hard they have to take this stuff to recover ultimately i would imagine given the amount of money to be made and the fact that these performance enhancing drugs eh, i mean i guess they probably work (laughs) uh at the very least for recovery if not also for actually improving performance and there's sort of of this idea that if you're using it for recovery or for injuries that it's somehow better but I, i think either way it's still bad because then you have this moral dilemma where to keep up the players who aren't doing it and don't want to do it end up doing it and we don't know what the negative health effects of human growth hormone are i'm not necessarily opposed to it in a moral stance like you're not going to hear me clucking about it that much it seems like just from kind of a real politic perspective that the current testing regime is probably good you know you catch a few guys every now and again don't let people just go completely crazy with it there's always going to be some degree of this stuff going on for I think the people who are like oh there's there's no way people would do it in basketball because it's just not part of the culture i mean that to me is pretty ridiculous what is special about basketball that wouldn't have i mean that you know you don't hear about it the way you would in football or something or you know track and field or swimming or something but i mean it sure certainly helps to be able to run faster and jump higher and not get tired in, in basketball so it would surprise me if people aren't doing it i don't know i mean are, are you like when you hear this are you like bothered by it in like a moral sense
1: a little bit, because I do think it creates, it creates an uneven playing field, at least, I, to, th- but it's hard to do that without knowing the extent and the pervasiveness that it can be used yeah. without being caught. because well, if it's, And
0: also just how dangerous HGH right. is, which is what he got basically got caught for here.
1: Right. So, yeah, it, it's tough. And also not knowing exactly. I mean, it certainly seems like it helps, but not knowing how much it helps. You know, like there was a lot of that discussion in baseball, which which dealt with this for a long time and to an extent still is. And and I, so it, it doesn't fill me with like rage, like when I was a kid and in, in baseball. It, it certainly did at yeah. times
0: well but- and you also don't have these like you know bulking up to 275 like acne on the back like just you know total meathead like uh, roided out dudes in, in basketball at least the way that uh you did in baseball at that time and there's just like no testing at all
1: right and so maybe we'll find out later on that it was much more pervasive and that it was just that only the only the people who got stupid or lazy got caught that's entirely possible and i mean all i reserve the right to calibrate based on those things as they come but at the basic level, I'm just, just like I was with DeAndre Ayton, I'm very disappointed that a team is without one of their important young players and we get to evaluate it and it, it affects a lot of different things for them moving forward. And we'll, we'll just have to kind of see. And John Collins place in the Hawks was in some ways the most, more important question for them this year because we are getting a clearer idea of what Trey Young
0: is. Yeah, and what that is was awesome in this game. Pretty rough start to an 0 for 8. And then he came out eyes of fire after halftime, 10 of 15 in the second half. He got to work immediately on DeJounte Murray, got two quick floaters where he got into his body and actually moved Murray. Murray's not like an Adonis or anything, but he's also like a lot bigger than Trey. Trey just generally looks a lot more physical, a lot quicker off the dribble this year he's really blowing by guys getting into guys by i mean he at least offensively he plays pretty physically uh so he drew two fouls on murray and hit two floaters on him so greg popovich is like all right enough of this i'm going to Derek white my other awesome defensive guard trey young does his patented reject the screen move drain a three on him uh Derek white goes out in comes patty mills uh, patty mills gets a a bucket or two scored on him and I think trey had like 13 points in the first six minutes of the third um, after having eight assists in the first half, but uh, only having one point, and he ended up with 28 in the second half, 29 for the game.
1: And Young was huge in leading in, in the fourth quarter when the Hawks outscored the Spurs 38-22 to to turn what was a deficit into an eventual eight-point win. I also thought that having Trey out there, it sl- slotted a lot of their other guys into more manageable spots. Most notably for me with that was Cam We did the NBA cast on Hawks Heat last Thursday, and reddish was just miscast he had the ball in his hands a little bit too much and you know he's not the best at creating for others he did have a couple of nice passes both then and he had a couple that i liked in in the game on tuesday but you know sliding in as a complimentary role getting more catch and shoot threes because trey young could feed him just like i talked about with jabari parker getting better looks makes life a lot easier
0: to that end jabari nine of eleven on twos yeah this game
1: yeah nine of eleven on twos and I I wonder where this Hawks team is going. You posited the, on on Twitter during this game that maybe Trey Young is just so good, and the bottom of the East is so bad that they can just get in. And I think a, a stat that relates to that, which I think is is pretty amazing, not surprising, but amazing. The Hawks have a one ten. This is per cleaning glass a one ten offensive rating when Trey Young is on the floor. That's very good. You know that's that's top half of the league and and i think that could improve with superior talent remember how young this yeah, team is that,
0: that would rank them uh seventh overall in the nba
1: mm-hmm. when trey young is not on the floor which has happened a lot more considering he didn't he didn't play with the spray nickel that 110 drops to a 96.3
0: yeah now granted they played a bunch against miami's pretty good defense yes there too so that number is going to be skewed but I mean hey they don't have a backup point guard so it's not a huge shock (laughs) that there might be a drop off there
1: and and from San Antonio's perspective I I don't know if you felt this way this was not my primary game we watched a lot of other things but I don't know that I walked away from it feeling any any worse about them it was actually nice to see Trey Lyles had some buckets early in the early going it's like oh yeah you know like it is still weird kind of weird to me that he's starting for this team considering he's at least their fourth best forward yeah but, well,
0: well, it's interesting to me too that Damari Carroll has been getting DNPs. Yeah. You know, we thought he would be a, a big part of the rotation. And I, I mean, I think the biggest reason Carroll is getting DNPs is DeMar DeRozan is their three now and they're playing, they have all these smaller guards that they want to play and DeRozan is the three. So that means that, that Carroll is going to get iced out.
1: Also, Marco Bellinelli, 5 points, 2 of 10 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, negative 12 in 12 minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could play Damari Carroll over Marco Bellinelli. That, that maybe, might just be maybe. Um, Lonnie Walker, Spurs fans have been upset after his nice summer league that he's not playing. So, Popovich gave him 2 minutes at the end of the third. Here's what happened. First, he threw away an inbounds pass with a miscommunication between he and, and Mills. Then he took a bad long two in transition with, you know, 21 on the shot clock that missed. And then he caught the ball in the corner and immediately traveled. And uh, he played two minutes and had two turnovers. So, uh, I mean, you would hope that he could get a little bit more development time, but they have so many guards. And, I mean, you just be hard, especially the way Patty Mills is playing. He had an, He had 30 against the Warriors the other night. He had 16 on only six shots today Uh, i mean he played 26 minutes if anything he might need to play more so uh and and they just don't i mean as long as derozan's on this team like walker is kind of a mini derozan in the way he plays right now but he's not as good at it so i'm uh i I wouldn't expect that to change much from walker anytime soon in terms of his playing time
1: i'll give you the choice we have a little bit of news or do you want to go to do some well yeah let me
0: see if i got any more notes uh, on this um Unlike what we've seen a lot of teams do, San Antonio did not double-team Trey Young. It was pretty much conventional pick-and-roll defense, and he really uh, ate that up after halftime. And the Spurs are not a huge turnover forcing team at least in this game and they only force three turnovers which is a very low number for young i mean he'll have a lot of games where he's in the six seven range and a lot of that is because teams are are pressuring and putting two on the ball their denial efforts didn't work i thought young did a better job in this game of working off the ball than he did in the philly game to get the ball back and get into the lane when he's going against another great defender and josh richardson uh Trey, to me, has, like, the best floater in the league at this point. And it's really just, maybe he's not going to keep making it like this, but it is a major, major weapon for him. Uh, And he really just put the game on ice down the end. First, he hit a three. That got nullified by a foul and so uh, away from the ball and so he came right back and just shot another three and made it again uh he had this incredible sequence off an offensive rebound where he crossed over Lamarcus Aldridge on a switch three times and then hit this incredible pass to DeAndre Bembry cutting for a dunk that got the State Farm Arena no longer Phillips Arena crowd on their feet Vince Carter had a couple of those throwback fadeaways going to his right a, a three off an iso and an and one on a two-point jumper uh, Jabari had some pretty decent individual defense at times in this game uh, on Rudy Gay, who tried to ISO him. Uh He looks a little bit better so far defensively. Kevin Herter still on a minute's limit. He played 25 minutes. Uh, nothing incredibly special.
1: Oh, well, there's one that I wanted to note. Yeah, we've it's been a, a running theme a little bit for the Hawks this year that their opponents just can't make threes.
0: Oh yeah, And
1: San Antonio, 8 of 33 from long distance in this one.
0: Yeah, so Hawks opponents are shooting under 30% from three for the season. And yeah, the Hawks defense has been a lot better than expected. As of now, Atlanta has the 10th ranked defense in the NBA. Also the 25th ranked offense. We talked about why it's so low because Trey hasn't played as much and they've been terrible without him and they've played some tough teams without him. So expect both of those numbers to go up significantly from here on out. But 3 and 3 for Atlanta. They've beaten some good teams. Have a positive net rating despite Trey not playing in basically 3 games. Not bad. For a start, I'd say this is, a, this is a really good home win over what's uh, a possible Western Conference playoff team. That's uh, you put the, enough of those in the bank, you might make the playoffs.
1: Well, and then they have Chicago and Sacramento coming to State Farm Arena as well in the next couple of days, so maybe they yeah. can push that up a little bit too.
0: Those will be really interesting games to me. Like, are they going to like take care of business and win those games by ten? Then you might start feeling like, okay, these guys that, like are they a team that takes care of business or they just get into a bunch of shootouts and whatever can happen every night? I still tend to think it's the latter, especially their lack of depth is just going to be trouble. And Trey, Trey can't keep up this, this type of a start. I mean, he, I think he's really good, obviously, but uh, there's his three point shooting has just been out of this world so far. Uh, all right. We got some more games to get here, but first I'm sad to inform you that Trey Young probably will not be the greatest player of all time, but you can get your shoes from the greatest website of all time, goat.com, G O A T.com. You can go to goat.com slash cap space for the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online they know exactly how a pair of jordans is supposed to smell they know exactly what the stitching is they know exactly what the weight is supposed to be there's a lot of money to be made with counterfeit sneakers when you're paying hundreds of dollars per pair if you're a real sneaker head so make sure you don't get taken with goat where they inspect every details they work with trusted sellers those sellers send it to goat goat inspects and verifies the sneakers and then they are sent to you they have over 15 million users around the world buying and selling verified shoes every day so you'll find exactly what you want at the best possible price so find that perfect 100 authentic sneaker at goat.com slash cap space go right now before the sneakers you want are gone once again goat.com slash Cap space, slash Capspace, that slash Capspace URL. Let them know that you came from us. All right, what's next on the menu here?
1: Uh, I'll do a little quick hitter on Pacers Hornets, a game that I got transfixed in late because it was close and bizarrely exciting.
0: Bizarrely it, exciting is a great way to describe it.
1: And it, it started out because we were focusing on Boston Cleveland with and part of why part of why I didn't turn to it earlier was because the Pacers blitzed the Hornets for a 19 point lead in the first quarter. TJ Warren had a really good start to the game numerous numerous other Pacers did, but then over the course of the game, but really over the course of the fourth quarter, the Hornets made their way all the way back and ended up forcing forcing overtime and then winning the game in overtime. And it, it was interesting because I mean so the, the Pacers are playing without both of their starting true centers, Sabonis and Turner. It sounds like Turner's going to be back sooner, possibly as soon as their next game. Goga Rookie who missed a lot of, basically, summer league and camp with visa issues and injury issues. He played 32 minutes. Had some really nice moments. There were, there were some things I, I liked about him. Rebounding on the offensive and defensive glass, four block shots. And, yeah, he fouled out. But, I mean, fouling out in 32 minutes is very different than fouling out in, like, 12 or whatever it was for Damian Jones.
0: And <laughs> 18. Don't you dare a- shortchange him. A- a- 18.
1: Uh, but but the other part of it for the for the Pacers was offensively, they had some really nice performances from from Jeremy Lamb and most notably TJ Warren. Warren, 33 points on 19 shooting possessions, 15 of 18 from the field, almost all of that from two-point range. I thought that was striking. And then the guy who pushed it back, and we've seen this a couple of times already this season, the guy who brought the Hornets back from the break was Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham, 35 points. 10 of 21 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3 and 11 of 15 from the free throw line, including two huge 3s that basically or two huge sorry, free throws that basically won the Hornets the game when he was fouled in the final seconds by Jakar Sampson.
0: Yeah, Graham 42 minutes granted an overtime game but played 37 in regulation off the bench and much of the time he played with Terry Rozier who was on 43 minutes. Miles Bridges also uh, played 43 minutes. He had a, one of his better games of the season with 18 points. P.J. Washington though did not close it, nor did Dwayne Bacon, who played only 13 minutes. I don't think I heard anything about Bacon well, getting no, injured. I
1: think it was just uh, Cody Martin just played a lot of played, played some real hustle minutes and was on the floor for some of their best moments, and so they kept him out there. He had dove for some loose balls, had 11 rebounds in 33 minutes. So I think it was more, you know, harkening back to what Nate McMillan does. I think it was Barigo playing the hot hand
0: yeah well bacon was negative 14 in those 13 minutes so and martin was plus 27 in 33 minutes so you begin to understand why and martin uh, i think borrego is getting some confidence in him defensively He only took two shots in those 33 minutes but uh, as you mentioned the hustle plays he was used as a defensive replacement in their win over the warriors uh, on saturday night as well so this is one of those games from Charlotte where they pulled it out you're not sure I mean Graham has been awesome to start the season he, he suddenly rediscovered his three-point sh- stroke that uh, abandoned much like Javon Carter who he Graham shot terribly but Graham had a much better shooting record in college than Carter did but those two guys uh, are finally looking pretty decent so far this year uh drafted 32 and 34 respectively that that run on point guards right at, at the start of the second round for the Pacers, yeah warren was 15 to 18 brogdon was 12 out of 19 to say wow our, our two biggest scores had these type of nights and we lost how's that well those guys shot the only seven free throws for indiana where the charlotte's hornets shot 42 free throws but made only 28 of them uh which uh, maybe helped keep the pacers in it a little bit more uh, and the pacers also turned it over uh, a lot more as well i was expecting given that and some of the post-game carping uh, that Jay Michael was chronicling from the Pacers that there would just be a bunch of egregious calls against them at the end. But honestly, I didn't feel that way. As no, I watched it, I watched it after hearing all that and it I didn't really pop out to me other than maybe one call in overtime, but not the one that they were so hot about on Samson at the end.
1: No, the Samson one, I, I, w- I w- was switching between the feeds and actually switched off of the Pacers feed because I thought their announcers were complaining too much about the calls, which were, you know, so they were on the margins, but they were they were to me reasonable calls, and that's not what I get really mad about. In the Samson play, yeah, it, you know, it, it, you don't love to see a game decided by it, but he stuck his arm out with the intention of impeding Devonte Graham's progress. Yeah. And, so yeah, and that's then he a foul. put his
0: arms up after that.
1: Yeah, and so that was where the foul occurred. And so maybe they could have called it a non-shooting foul. And, it, I mean, they were in the bonus, so it wouldn't have made that big of a difference with, I think it was like 1.2 seconds left or whatever it was. And remember, the Pacers didn't have any timeouts, so they couldn't have advanced the ball anyway. And, yeah, so maybe that maybe that goes slightly differently. Maybe Devontae Graham misses the second free throw instead of it being the third,
0: but whatever.
1: And it was a foul and so yeah they could be mad that it occurred or anything but it was it was a foul and you just kind of have to deal with that
0: yeah and, and the pacers got a couple of dubious calls in the yeah. overtime as well
1: well and, and the other thing I, i'm frustrated with myself they didn't mention I, I talked about lamb and, and tj warren but yeah brogdon especially in the late going of the fourth quarter he, he, he was a usage monster like they were just basically giving him the ball every time and something that uh, our mutual friend Seth Partnow brought up was that nate mcmillan sometimes i get very frustrated with him because the every once in a while, well, like going back to that game against Oklahoma City, where they aggressively went after Carmel Anthony, basically every possession. And so they, you know, they went after the mismatches. There are too many other times with the Pacers where the other team is conceding something because that's what defense is about. It's, you know, prioritizing something and sacrificing something else that you think is less costly. And They just—the Pacers, whether it was not forcing mismatches or, you know, not taking advantage of of a guy topsiding by back-cutting, they just—they weren't getting the low-hanging fruit. And there's plenty of low-hanging fruit against a team like the Hornets as much as I am supporting their over and everything else. Like, there are ways to to, to do things against this team that the Pacers didn't—
0: well and the whole spiel from mcmillan was all right we need more ball handlers we need more playmakers well do you really need that many playmakers when you're just gonna take turns isoing them at the end of the game uh off the dribble up top I, and i thought i second what you're saying uh, about brogdon but i thought the offense in the overtime they didn't involve Bianco in pick and roll at all uh, they weren't gonna switch with Bianco. they instead were trying to go after miles bridges who is not an amazing individual defender but i think i'd probably rather still go after Bianco and pick and roll cody zeller was out for the same reason bacon was because they just got worked with him on the floor and biombo actually had a pretty darn nice game with five offensive rebounds and 15 points uh but i didn't think they really went after them you know or they didn't go after like Devonte graham either uh with bigger guys you know at least go for you know try to get tj warren who by the way was 15 to 18 get him the the matchup if you need it uh and then at the end yeah Goga had fouled out leaf had also fouled out in 14 minutes he, he wins the award over Damian Jones for tonight uh Leaf was really struggled and you know when Devontae Graham who's maybe six foot on a good day just went right through him for a layup and his sixth foul it, you uh highlighted some of his problems as a rim protector but the situation at the end to me I thought was really mismanaged by McMillan Charlotte shoots two free throws with 27 seconds left to go up to mcmillan takes his last time out after the free throws so i don't really understand what the point of that is number one because there's a very good chance that you're not going to score and you're going to need to play the foul game and keep your time out towards the end uh when you're down two you can sub in during the free throws. So I don't really see much point in taking the time out there. I mean, maybe you want to get rebounders in and call it the time out, but you should probably be able to get a, de- a defensive rebound on a free throw. Trust your guys to do that. And so then the play that they run is just straight ISO for Malcolm Brogdon. And they had him like run the time down to like 10 seconds left, but they're down two. It didn't make any sense. Like maybe if you're down one, you do that on the theory that hey we have a better than 50 percent chance of scoring which you don't by the way when you run the time down toward to the end but maybe that theory is hey we want to get the last shot and we're going to win it and go home but unless you're going to have them take a three that doesn't really make a, a ton of sense so you use this timeout to set up this great play and then that was the play that was really odd and then i think it would have been considered a good call anyway i thought this but uh when charlotte came back they and then on that ISO, by the way, Brogdon just lost the ball, but it went right to Jeremy Lamb and he hit the jumper, but it wasn't thanks to the play that they called. And then they didn't have any timeouts left to challenge I believe they had a challenge left that's what the announcers said
1: I believe they did yeah
0: uh on the Samson foul so it really seemed like a, a total waste in all possible respects to the timeout and, and again just in, in that fourth quarter it was just ISO on Miles Bridges with Malcolm Brogdon was like the best play call that they had probably um can you talk a little bit about this Lakers Bulls game did you see much of this or should I just uh get going here well I think you could take the lead I'll,
1: I'll, what was jarring to me is when a game is in the background for you because of all the other things, you kind of get a sense of where it's going. And because I don't have faith in the Bulls after other collapses they've had, you see them up 20 and you go, eh, we'll see where it is at the end of the third quarter. And then, then the wheels fall off the wagon and the Lakers win.
0: Yeah, the Bulls surged out to a lead in the first half. A lot of it at the start of the second quarter, Luke Cornett actually had a positive plus minus. Kobe White went crazy. He'd had three, he was three out, or sorry, seven out of 30 over his previous three games, but really got going. I think he had 17 in the first half. Even had four assists in this game. He looked pretty spry. But then that same unit ended up giving it back in the second. It was funny, they're down 17. The Lakers were at halftime. They made a few strides to get back in the third. And then Vogel to my recollection, I didn't watch their last game, but he's generally been splitting up LeBron and AD at the end of the third. He actually kept both of them out there for the entire third, just about. And with the idea that we're going to cut back into this lead, it didn't really work. They're still down 13 to start the fourth. And then they go in a 14-0 run with LeBron and AD out of the game. So that was just a major problem. The Bulls had a ton of turnovers early. The Lakers got four and ones in the fourth quarter. Uh, they got, the Bulls got killed on the defensive glass in during that period as well. Cal Kuzma got going uh, on a couple of plays. He was horrendous in the first half. They're trying to work him up in terms of minutes, but uh, having him out there at least gives them somewhere to go in terms of a focal point. And Kuzma couldn't hit anything from three. He was one out of eight, but that left him at seven out of eight on twos. And he ended up uh, with 15 points, seven to 16 from the field, even beat Thaddeus Young a couple of times. in that fourth quarter. Well, so well, the so, Bulls struggled to score. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry,
1: something I want to track with this is the, the Bull, sorry, the Lakers point guard situation. And I thought Alex Crusoe gave them some very good minutes. Yeah. Defensively had a couple of pick sixes, including that one with a dunk and also. Quinn Cook was hitting shots. You know, he's not going to do that every single night, but 17 points, including three of four from three mostly. He had a couple that were off nice passes from LeBron, including one in the corner where I'm not exactly sure why he was as open as he was, but the Bulls' defense is not exactly the most robust all of the time. And that's that to me, that's the role that Quinn Cook is best in is, you know, I- I- ancillary creator, but then also can catch and shoot around another player who can handle the ball.
0: So they got it pretty, pretty much tied up. And then LeBron came in and he absolutely went to work. He'd been the one Laker playing well offensively up to that point, AD, in his return to Chicago after making some odd comments that he didn't really need to make about how he would consider Chicago in free agency and then trying to walk that back today because they're in, I mean, he's from Chicago, obviously. But he had a real struggle offensively, although it didn't affect his defense. I thought, especially in the second half, his defense was outstanding. But James went to work, put his back to goal. They went and got the pick and roll switch. He's put Sadaransky on him. Not that Otto Porter could have stopped him anyway. Backs down, finds Dwight Howard for a dunk, cutting behind Lowry Markin, who had another terrible game and just totally lost his man, Howard. Then he drove to the lane. He set up a, a corner three for Quinn Cook went right over Saturansky for a turnaround baseline jumper and just completely controlled everything, even with not a ton of space in there, even just putting AD in the corner. He set up AD for a corner three uh, when his man Carter tried to come over and help. Uh, so LeBron was controlling everything offensively and then defensively. I mean, the Lakers just had a ton of great plays. Dwight Howard blocked Kobe White from behind off a switch. The Lakers did a lot of switching actually early in the quarter, and Howard is so much more mobile. I mean, he, McGee is a better finisher, but Howard is doing everything else better at this point in time. AD had three blocks again. He's leading the NBA in block shots uh, per game, and he struggled, but he's got LeBron now to be the offensive fulcrum and pick him up. You know, David Locke noted this that he had so much variance where, you know, he would be average. Averaging 28 and 14 but he'd have one monster game and they'd win and then one bad game and they'd lose but now if he has a bad game they can still win this as they did uh alex caruso you mentioned him just he is not that great on offense and i did have a scout tell me over the weekend that he didn't really like him because he's just a really bad individual defender that's not something that i've seen so i have to watch out for that but he is a wonderful help defender and he had one play where zach levine blew by howard in transition on a switch and caruso sprints over meets Levine like 15 feet away from the basket makes him turn around Howard communicates with him sw- passes him off to Crusoe, and then Crusoe handed him a- into a turnover on the wing like it was just those are the types of plays he's just as a preternaturally quick rotator almost Kyle Lowry style in that regard but he's even got more size uh, and athleticism than than Lowry so this is the type of win for the Lakers where they didn't have it through three quarters and not the type of game that they would have necessarily won in prior years they didn't have Anthony Davis back then either they didn't have Danny Green etc etc but I thought it was a very encouraging performance from them and uh less so for the Bulls the Bulls who dropped to two and six
1: now on the season and it's just getting a little bit more faint something I was looking up is just how few players are having really effective offensive seasons for them Levine is at 55% true shooting And Dad Young is there too. And then other than Wendell Carter, almost everybody is fifty percent true shooting or below. And remember, fifty-five is a good proxy for league average. They're just they're just not I mean, Lowry Market in otto Porter, Cornett, Chris Dunn, and some of those aren't aren't huge surprises, but it's still a problem when you don't have any sort of offensive bedrock. And I mean, right now the biggest strength of the Bulls' offense is that they're not turning the ball over that much, and part of that's just because they're jacking up bad shots instead.
0: Yeah, and part of their problem has been that they're just not hitting jumpers. Well, they hit jumpers like crazy tonight. They shot forty three percent from downtown, ten out of sixteen on twos outside of the paint, and they still lost because they just had a bunch of turnovers. And then they couldn't stop the lakers late either so it it just it looked real ugly as it does when you give up a 13 point lead in the fourth quarter and there's a a lot of sky is falling type of quotes from the bulls i mean given the way they've been playing frankly tonight was a step forward but you mentioned that game in atlanta that's going to be a really interesting one for them coming up because you know two and six they're starting to i mean I don't think anyone's going to run away and hide as far as getting the eighth seed, but it does have a, a little bit of a crisis feel right now. Another nice thing, though, at least, was Otto Porter playing well for the first time, 4-7 from 3, 18 points, but he's on this minutes limit. Again, he only could play 27 minutes, and they really need him to play more than that. They did get Chandler Hutchison back. He played 15 minutes. He replaced Ryan Archidiacino in the lineup, I think, because they felt like they needed more size, uh, but Hutchison we'll see whether he's going to be able to contribute much he did hit his lone three pointer in the game uh Bulls also missed 11 free throws I mean that's not that's pretty random uh, they might have been more in this if they had made a few more of those last thing we did find out the extent of the Zach Collins injury it's going to be four months so what's four months from now March 1st or, or March beginning and beginning,
1: beginning of March and that's when he's reevaluated. It's not a guarantee right, that he'll
0: yeah. be back then. Yeah. And I mean, maybe he comes back and he's like wearing the sleeve and he's kind of, he's still kind of limited. But there, it, you do get a feel that maybe he just isn't going to play again this year. They haven't ruled him out for that yet. They said reevaluate in four months. Maybe it'll go a little faster for him. But I'm, uh, they're going to have to make a move, I think, uh, and obviously that loss last night against the Warriors, uh, was, but I mean, it highlighted some of the issues that they have. When the uh, Eric Pascal scores thirty-four points, he he's been a nice surprise. As I said, we're going to talk about him later, but uh, they do not have a lot of guys to to match up in the front court right now, as you have repeatedly noted. All right, anything else to talk about before we go?
1: Well, we we should mention that we're doing the NBA cast on Wednesday yeah. for... Ka-
0: Kawhi Leonard won't be doing it, but we are.
1: We are, yeah, it, but it's still an absolutely fascinating game between these, these two yeah. teams, the Bucks and the Clippers, so you can keep an eye on that. Periscope, Twitch, YouTube, if you're a streamer, YouTube has a functioning pause button that you can use to watch it, and it'll be a lot of fun, and we will be back with the first 15 and 60, the... I was going to say the original formulation, but that's not necessarily true. The The tried and true formulation of a 15 and 60.
0: Yeah, I'll try and do a, a little bit more research for you guys uh, on this one. Really get into some of these teams in uh, our beloved Western Conference. And uh, don't forget about Hollinger and Duncan as well. Uh, we got a really really interesting episode coming this week I can't tell you about it yet but i think it's gonna generate some discussion not a concept that i've tried before yet but john is uh, uniquely suited to uh to hit on this topic so you'll, you'll see what it is this weekend it'll be coming on sunday search hollinger and duncan in your favorite podcast player talk to you all tomorrow night.